<laughs> Welcome to Bloom Living. My name is Thomas DeShooter, former rock musician turned wealth architect, bringing to you amazing ideas from amazing people looking to up the game of life whenever we can. This week, we have for you Tim Begley. He's a coach and personal trainer. Tim has his bachelor's degree in human kinetics from UBC and is a practicing member at the BC Association of Kinesiologists. He's a certified personal trainer through the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology. Tim is a good friend of mine, and he says that he's on a journey to kickstart a cascade of positivity. He is what I would refer to as a superconductor. In the world of ideas and coming at things from a different angle, I have not met another person that operates in that same framework as Tim Begley does. This is one person that definitely makes a difference in the lives of others. We talk about fitness, nutrition, cold therapy, and raising a family. Here he is, Tim Begley. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Thomas. Yeah, and uh, Tim has a company. It's in Burnaby, right? Burnaby, yes. Burnaby Heights, North Burnaby. And Positive Shift. That's right. Positive Shift Health and Fitness, a personal training and rehabilitation business. Great. And Tim, before we get into this, I just want to take a moment to thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy day. I know you are a busy guy and um, you've got a family, you've got a young family and I know how demanding that is. So I just want to, you know, acknowledge you for a moment for just taking the time to be with us here today. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm excited about this one. (laughs) All right. So positive shift. Let's, um, why don't we start with talking about what positive shift is, what you do, and maybe how that came to be for you. Great, yeah. So, um, yeah, it. Uh, well, I picked the name Positive Shift because when I looked around the, the fitness industry in particular, I saw a lot of intimidation. A lot of the, the fitness programs out there are, first of all, it's a program and, and people don't show up because it's intimidating. You know, if you imagine a gym... A lot of people don't have a good image of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they don't turn up. And so my my idea, which became my business, was to just make exercise at a simple level a positive experience. Mm. Uh, and then that kind of kickstarts a cascade in people's lives where, you know, just starting exercising and making it a positive experience all kinds of other things start to fall into place. You know, nutrition, people are more likely to eat better after they've gone to the gym in the morning. Um, relationships, I mean, exercise is that miracle drug that takes <laughs> care of so many different things. And so, you know, really positive shift came out of just that idea that if we just at, at the beginning, at the start, just make it a positive experience, people will come back, want more, and they'll see some big shifts in their life. Right, so... So your your ideology around that then was to was to make something like for myself for example I've never enjoyed going to a gym so you really wanted to make something where the gym equation was kind of taken out of it is that is that accurate where it was more about what you could accomplish versus what you're going to feel like going to a gym Def, it's definitely not called the the positive shift gym um, <laughs> but uh, you know I've spent the majority of my of my career in gyms and just making that a positive experience for people. So reducing the intimidation, 
helping people get started and and uh, and break past that. So um, so yeah, I mean, I do still spend a lot of time in in gyms. In our studio, it is a gym. It's small. It's pretty private. It doesn't feel like. Um, it doesn't feel like a big box gym, but uh, but yeah, that's still a big a big part of it. Still is at the gym. So uh, with that, would you say then that you focus more on a one to one type of uh, workout, or um, and maybe I'll uh, branch out here with therapy because I, I believe you're a kinesiologist as well. So would you in the in the workout sense would it be a one to one? Is that the best situation, or is it more of like a small grouping? We do a little bit of small group training, but for the for the most part, it's all about one-on-one um, personalized instruction, whether that's in, in terms of re- rehabilitation. Um, yes, I am a, a kinesiologist and do rehabilitation programs for people, or whether that's fitness, and it's all just what you know, someone comes in and they want they they're coming in for a reason, so they have something they want to improve on. What can we do to to get them there? Mm. Whether it's inside of the gym or outside of the gym, um, and we don't follow any specific program. You know, there's a lot of popular programs, and people are looking for that. And they're, you know, so a boxing program or a CrossFit program or, um, you know, right. this workout, that workout. Um, those are all different programs, and they don't suit everybody. So we're we're just looking at, you know, what does what's going to benefit this person and their their goals on an individual basis, and then we come up with a program that's going to work for them. Right. So it's really about designing something specifically for that individual that um, will get the end result that they're after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So is there like a big question, you know, so let's maybe look at that for a little moment. How would that process begin? So let's say I want to come in and work with you. What is the first thing? If you don't know me, we're going to, we're going to begin to assess or look at. Yeah. So you, you came here for a reason. So my question to you would be, what, what do you want to accomplish in the next few months? Right. So it's going to start with me driving the, you know, informing you that, Hey, this is what I want to do. And then from there, the program will start to unfold based on based on that answer alone, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And and now, will you take that into nutrition coaching as well, or like how far, I guess, down the rabbit hole will you go with the personal development? Is it just the body? Is it the body and nutrition? Is it body, nutrition, mind? Um, yeah, maybe talk about that for a bit. Yeah. So we've got we've got four pillars, I call them, that kind of guide what we're talking to people about. That being said, it really depends. You know, some people are, I get this, this a lot. Oh, no, no, I eat pretty well. Right. Uh, okay. Do you want to maybe write down everything that you eat for a week and show me? No, no, I eat pretty well. Okay. You know, so, you know, we're not going to have a conversation about nutrition and optimal uh, nutrition if someone's not interested you know right. if they're wanting to improve on their on their fitness on their you know cardiovascular fitness they might not be too open uh to some of the other some of the other things that will help at least not in the beginning and and again right. to go, go back you know i really think that just starting with exercise starting people exercising regularly a lot of other conversations can happen later right um, so so you'll poke and prod a little but if there's huge you know kickback we're not you're not gonna it's like it's not a no you must do this or we can't work together yeah type of conversation yeah yeah and really it's uh what i like to see is people making progress in all of those areas right so there's not a diet for them to follow that oh this this one is perfect right um 
but let's start. So we'll start improving on fitness. We'll start improving on nutrition. Uh, then also mindset, you know, so which takes in, into account goals um, and just attitudes towards exercise, time, money. Uh, and then lastly, it's recovery, which is uh, which is a huge one. Right. So, uh, so what do you see with recovery? I mean, because you must see all kinds of uh, all kinds of people coming in that maybe are doing other activities outside of what they're doing with you. And I, and for myself, I'll just speak like I know I played ice hockey twice a week and I did nothing else. And I, you know, the next morning, especially as I got older, was very difficult and I had no strategy around recovery. So, how does that unfold for somebody? What is what are you keying in on? So most people think exercise uh, helps them to get fitter. Exercise makes you stronger. And what I like to tell people is that the workout you just did, your hockey practice, it only made you weaker. At the end of your hockey practice, you're actually less capable of playing hockey than you were at the beginning. Right. So the only way that exercise helps you to get fitter is if you recover from it. Uh-huh. So we can do things to make that recovery happen faster, to, to make it happen, um, you know, to just better recover from exercise. Uh, or we can do things that hurt your recovery. Uh, so, you know, sleep, nutrition, those are, those are big drivers. Um, there's a few others, but that's really important. You know, um, I see a lot of people who hear about the morning routine. Oh, the morning routine. Okay, I'm going to wake up 6 a.m., five days a week, seven days a week, and I'm going to do this. And my experience has been until you dial in your evening routine, until you address bedtime, you can't dial in a morning routine. It just throws you too far out of balance. You have to address the recovery at the same time you're addressing exercise. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to dive in a little bit into the evening routine because me knowing you personally and some of the conversations we've had in our, our uh, Being Man group has a lot to do with uh, the evening. And I know that you're very specific about how you treat the evening get, getting up to bedtime. So would you mind just sharing um, with people exactly what that looks like? Because I was very intrigued by it. So Yeah, no, not at all. So... Um, a few a few things. So number one is avoiding stimulants. So caffeine curfew. I won't have anything caffeinated, including chocolate, after 3 p.m. Um, light exposure. Light can be very stimulating. So um, 7.30 or 8 p.m., that's a digital sunset for me. So we just use dim lights at home uh, and no screens after that, for the most part. You know, so there's movie nights occasionally. Right. Um, then when it comes to bedtime itself, consistency around time helps a lot. So just going to bed at the same time or pretty close to the same time every night, you get your brain just gets better at oh knowing it's oh it's bedtime. You know, parents with young kids, they know these things. They do it everywhere. Uh and then when we become teenagers or adults, we think I don't have a bedtime, I don't need this. Um and we we just oh, forget about that, right? But it works. That's why parents do it. Uh some other things that uh that parents know, or uh, most of them do, uh, consistent routine. First you brush your teeth, then we read two stories, then it's bedtime. And then dropping down stimulants, that's a, that's a, great, way to, that's a great way to start. And it, it has a powerful effect, not just on the amount of sleep that you get, but on, on the quality of that sleep. So getting into a deep regenerative sleep faster. Mm. So uh, you touched on something there, the screen time. So or the screen light. I'm assuming that 
you know, laying in bed right at bedtime before going to sleep and having your your phone or your, um, for lack of a better term, your iPad, if uh, you know if that's what you own, and all of that amount of light coming out, what is that doing for you? <laughs> yeah, so you know, light as well as noise stimulate. Even if you're even if you're just thinking about things that really are really stressing you out or really stimulating, uh, that doesn't help you get into a restful state, into into deep regenerative sleep. And there's uh, there's a, a growing amount of evidence around blue light, like the type of light, uh, and you know some people wearing glasses. And you know I think that um, really it's just about finding a routine where you're relaxed and you're calm and you're you know you're disconnected from all that stuff and you can focus on yourself. Um, I'm not the best person to ask in terms of what that light does at a at a physiological level, but there's lots of evidence out there, and you can you can find it pretty av- it's pretty available now. Um, I would caution people that you know I don't believe that wearing glasses is a good solution um, mm. to avoiding the light stimulation. I think you know really coming up with an ideal wind down routine is better than just throwing glasses on. Right. And I and I can say that when uh, when we talked about this um, earlier in our group, um, I actually tested some of this theory out, and uh, I did find that by just chilling out a couple hours before bedtime, and and definitely no screen time at bedtime, and it was a couple hours before you know other than turning on my alarm, I had much better night's sleep. Um, what do you say about uh, reading? Because one of the things I like to do before bed is at least, you know, is just try to get in 10, 10 pages of reading. So, you know, the lights on, what do you, what do you say about that is, do you have a thought on that or? Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I think it's better if you use a real book, um, than, uh, than a, a screen. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's fantastic. And again, you know, just being aware of what you're reading and how stimulating that is, if it's really exciting. It might not be the best thing to read before bed if you're trying to get, you know, get a good night's sleep. I know one of the things I've also done is uh, it's actually made me very aware of the type of movies I watch at nighttime now because, mm. um, you know, in the past I had uh, Dr. Suki on the show. We talked about the nervous system and I know that, uh, you know, I'm thinking that's that amount of stimulation of the fight or flight mentality being triggered and then going to bed. You know, probably not the best. <laughs> hey, I'm going to watch this violent movie and then I'm going to go to sleep, right? The Yeah, the opposite of fight or flight is rest and digest. So that, and that really is part of what you're going to talk to somebody about when it comes to recovery and how important it is not only to exercise, but as you, I love the way you put it, is that you're at your weakest after exercising. Mm-hmm. I had never thought of it in those terms. So that's, mm-hmm. that's great. Um, how did you get interested in what you're doing now? What was the thing that turned you into, oh, I want to do this? Well, I've always been fairly athletic, so I ended up, uh, you know, going through high school and um, going into kinesiology just because, oh, you know, it seemed interesting. And when I was in university, I actually didn't want to be a personal trainer. I thought, oh, personal trainer, that's just, you know, someone who helps guys get really big muscles. Didn't appeal to me. I wanted to be a a phys ed teacher, um, and help kids be more active. Uh, and 
then fortunately, when I was in school, uh, I started working for the Vancouver School Board and pretty quickly realized that uh, inside the school system was not going to be the the place for me. Um, and so I, I started doing personal training just cause, kind of as a like, okay, well, I'll try this because I'm qualified for it and, and see. And what I found was it's not helping young guys get big muscles. Um, for the most part, it's working with my parents' generation and helping them in a very meaningful way where people are... Um, wanting to start exercising who have who have not been exercising sometimes for you know 20 30 years and they're looking at okay well now that now that my finances are taken care of now that my career is kind of winding down this is pretty important in my life if I don't if I don't make some changes in a big way it's going to shorten my life Uh, and so I found it really rewarding to to help them help them get a little bit fitter, help them make those changes, see what they wanted to see what they wanted to do. Right. So you're really looking at that, like bringing awareness to them on how they can, uh, have an active life where they are now, even while these other things are winding down and they can still remain active. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, for the most part, by the time someone comes to, to me, they've already decided, you know, my hope is someone might listen to this and think, oh yeah, you know, that is quite important. Um, I've been putting this off, but now's the time. Um, for the most part, as soon as people are calling me or emailing me, they've decided. They've this already is... turned that switch and now it's time. Right? Yeah, now it's time. Right. Um, so uh, what what came first? The uh, You just did kinesiology and that fired you up or how did you get attracted to, to going down that road? Well, really it was it was starting working with with people you know, in a, in a fitness sense and, and, um, you know, seeing what a difference that made in people's lives. And, uh, my father passed away when I was 25 and I'd been working with people for a little while. And, um, you know, he, he struggled with diabetes and, uh, alcoholism and, and, you know, I went with him to meetings and I, you know, he was following the steps and he was going through this and I thought, oh, okay, he's, you know, he's doing what he's meant to do. And, you know, you follow the, the doctor's advice and you figure okay people get better and you know for him he didn't and he died and it was a big kind of shock to me that like oh that's it like for a lot of people this is the life you get and take care of yourself uh and there you might not get a second chance i can't imagine what that would you know be like to go through as a young man um now kinesiology maybe you could just share uh i'm not sure i know exactly what the focus is what is it that, that the science that you're looking at? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I like to use the term kinesiologist sometimes because people think I'm like some kind of fancy doctor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what a kinesiologist is, but it sounds kind of like oncologist, something. <laughs> sounds groovy. Uh, sounds, yeah. So uh, kine- kinesiology uh, is a um, s- the study of human movement. Uh, and so most kinesiologists have a bachelor's degree. Uh, there are, you know, a number of schools in BC that offer a, a bachelor's program, uh, and generally we're studying human movement. Mm-hmm. So uh, how how they apply that can be in terms of of healthcare, doing rehabilitation programs, in terms of fitness programming, sports, recreation, and athletics, um, ergonomics, workplace uh, workplace factors. But really, it comes down to how humans move, uh, and then the health. Uh, the health outcomes of human movement. Now, I just want to back up a bit. The, I guess with uh, with having lost your father at at age twenty five, and I know you have um, you know a young family now. How has that shaped 
your being a father? Well, it was a it was a huge um, awareness moment for me in terms of you know do what you want to do in life and you know make the most of it. Uh, my uh, my wife Karen and I, I mean, I'm so grateful to know her and have met her at a young age, and we've been on the same page in terms of what we want in terms of our family and our marriage since the beginning. And that's been such a gift, but really we went for it. And, you know, we had kids by Vancouver standards, pretty, pretty young, um, you know, for, for that reason of just getting that awareness around life's short. If there are things you want to do, go for it uh, and make the most of it. How has that, um, you know, along the same lines, how has that shaped your being a father? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I uh, I learned a lot from my dad, my, both my parents. You know, I grew up in a home that was full of, you know, full of love. Um, I guess, uh, you know, what, uh, um, what I kind of go back and forth on and wonder in terms of parenting is how how much to push on some of the health things. Um, You know, it was just Halloween a little while ago. My daughter went out trick-or-treating. She got, you know, some candy and we're letting her eat it. And, you know, my wife and I are having that conversation around like, you know, how how can we allow her to have a, a great childhood where she gets to experience Halloween and Halloween candy and she loves it, but we don't want her to have Halloween candy. And so how can we give her that childhood with the enjoyment, but as little of the the things that we know to be toxic. And I'm not just talking about candy in general, but like some of the stuff that's in there, there's no business having it in the candy. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need high fructose corn syrup. You could have sugar instead, and it's still still candy. Um, so I guess that's that's really a big way in which it's it's shaped me being a father is just really having this heightened awareness around health and and my wife and I are both very intentional with the things that we're doing uh to to raise our kids and we want them to have a a great childhood um but we also want them to to grow up into into adults that you know are are incredibly healthy I know that uh my my experience of you has been that uh you are somebody that sets out on doing something and uh and then it gets done where do you think that comes from that's a good question (laughs) um uh yeah i i'm not sure i have a a good good answer for you i mean you can say the same thing that uh we've been talking about in terms of uh life being life being short and might as well do it now um I'm not sure I have a good answer for you on well, that. Well, and I guess the reason I ask it is because I know that when you're up to doing something or you're taking on, you know, something that's outside of your comfort zone, there's there's the fear factor around that. And one of the things I, you know, I look at in my profession is how people get stopped, you know, around certain conversations around money. And it's usually that limiting ceiling. So I'm wondering, what do you do in, you know, what is it that you have in place or a thought process that allows you to just, hey, I'm scared, but I'm driving through? Oh, yeah. I, I have a few processes in place that are um, that are really paying off. Uh, you know, number one being a marriage and a partner in life who we're talking about pretty much everything. And so if, if there's something I'm committing to, she knows about it and... Uh, that's, you know, that's huge. Uh, number two, having a, a group of men who I touch base with weekly and who are not only pushing me on certain things, but I'm telling them this is what I'm, this is what I'm up to. 
um, this is this is what I'm after and receiving suggestions and support, but also just the accountability that comes with telling other people. Mm. Um, it's been a great pleasure working with the the clients that I work with, and many of them, you know, I've gotten to know personally over the years, and I tell them as well what you know what I'm up to and why. And um, you know, the more people that you start to tell, and the more you share the reason that you're doing it, uh, it's really inspiring and helps with your motivation to to get going on it. Um, so you're talking about uh, the act of making a declaration, declaring that this is what. I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then that in turn is lighting a fire for you to live in to, into that future for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I have, and I recommend this to some clients as well. I have a, an accountability buddy, one of my, one of my best friends, we have it in our calendars to touch base once a week and just say, here's what I'm going to do this week. And here's how last week went. And sometimes it's a, it's a chat, especially if things are not progressing as planned, but sometimes it's just a quick email. So I, Monday morning, I fired off an email to him and just said, okay, so, you know, I'm looking at this whole month and these are, these are the things that I'm working on. One, two, three. It took 15 seconds to write the email. Um, and then we're going to be checking in every week. How's it going? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Now, I know recently you uh, took on a really big enterprise for yourself on an island that's right. Yes. Um, do you want to talk about that for a bit? Because I know it's a pretty joyful thing for you. <laughs> so, uh, my wife and I recently bought a property on Main Island, um, and we're we're pretty excited to have our own, you know, little piece of paradise. And uh, we live in a condo in New Westminster, so you know, looking at backyards in the city and around here, it just seemed like, oh, you know, it's so out of reach. And then this opportunity came up, and we saw what. Uh, what it would take. And now we have a uh, recreational property that we are uh, really pumped about. And, and just, you know, I feel, um, I feel shocked that we're, we're, we get to do this. We get to have this piece of the Island and a little five minute stroll down to the beach. So this weekend we're, we didn't book the ferry in time. So we're walking onto the ferry uh, with the kids in the backpacks and we're going to walk to this spot and it's got a a trailer on it right now. And yeah, we're going to go enjoy it. So for you, this is like a family, this is family stuff. This is just about adding family, family time. This is absolutely family, family time. And it also speaks to the, you know, the recovery aspects. Um, I mean, we're going to put in a garden there and, um, some, some other things I, you know, I, I think, uh, um, when it comes to work-life balance, like, uh, a lot of the things that I'm talking to people about, um, I'm working on practicing them too. And so spending time with family, you know, having a place to go and unwind, um, that's, you know, it's all part of the, it's all part of the bigger health picture. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, outside of work and family, what are you, what are some things you are doing to just, uh, I guess, elevate your awareness? Um, and I, I don't want to leave it at just at your profession, but elevate your awareness in your human connections, your human consciousness. What sort of routines do you have, if any, um, that you would love to share with us? Well, podcasts and audiobooks, that's, uh, that's been massive for me, um, and I quite enjoy it. So to, to and from work, also when I'm working out usually, uh, exercising, I... I throw on a podcast, I throw on uh, an audiobook. You know, you can get free audiobooks from the library. 
and there's a lot of different stuff out there. So I've been really, really enjoying that. Um, I do love to cook. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's something else that I'm up to pretty, pretty regularly. Um, between, you know, family and work, like outside of that, there's not a lot of time left for me. Like in terms of where I'm at in my life, I've been putting a lot of time in at work. So there's, there's not a lot of time left. Mm -hmm. Um, and now you let's let's just go back to your your um, work facility. So you work in a uh, you have a small I guess a small gym, right? Yes. Um, and do you work with a, another group of people? Do you have um, a staff? How does that how does that play out? Yeah. So there's a few uh, other positive shift uh, team members, uh, staff that uh, that do the same work that I'm doing with with clients in terms of fitness and, and rehabilitation, um, and then uh, we're partnered up with a physiotherapy clinic that's uh, right next to us, uh, InSync Physiotherapy. Uh, so uh, they're collaborators. We're not, uh, yeah, we're not always working with the same clients, but uh, often we often we are. And uh, it's great to, you know, just to have exposure to their their views on things and kind of collaborate on, on, uh, on, on different events as well as just helping people better. This is a two-part question. One is, what type of daily routines do you have? Whether that's meditation or something of that nature, I'm, I'm trying to drill in on that. And the second part of that is, do you, I know that growth is a big thing for you. So I'd love to hear about your philosophy around that and why it's important. So I guess maybe that's three questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll start with the, we'll start with the daily routine and, um, yeah, let's just dive into that. So I wake up at the same time every morning. Uh, I set the alarm for 5.01. Uh, that's a different story why it's not 5 and why it's 5.01. But uh, yeah, the alarm goes off at 5.01. Uh, cold shower <laughs> after setting my, my intention for the day, which is something, uh, Thomas, you, you do as well and we do as a, as a group in terms of, you know, so how I ask myself the question, how do I want to show up today? And, you know, regardless of it's a, whether it's a work day or I'm at home with the kids, you know, how, how do I want to show up? Right. Uh, and, and then it's into the, into the cold shower, a little breathing. I've got two, two different breathing routines. I'll choose one and then into the cold shower. Um, after that, you know, uh, breakfast is, is a some days thing for me. So some days it's breakfast, some, some days not. And then, uh, usually it's off to work, uh, and start seeing clients. Um, in terms of other routines I have, um, exercise of some sort every day whether it's walking or whether it's a gym session something uh getting out and moving around uh but that that kind of changes day to day whether it's walk whether it's a bike ride run uh gym session um the most frequent has been gym session uh lately uh and then in terms of meditation since you asked yes um absolutely uh do a mindfulness meditation technique typically for you know two or three minutes every day at some point uh, find a little little time to recharge. Um, I've tried a few different types of meditation, and uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. And the the data is strong in terms of not just in terms of workplace productivity, but in terms of you know pain management, uh, in terms of uh, exercise and recovery. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, we could talk a lot more about that, but uh, uh, yeah. And then in uh, in terms of uh, you know routines. Um, bedtime routine um some some evenings I, I work and the kids have gone to bed by the time i i get home um in which case i'm doing my own 
uh, evening routine, which sometimes involves journaling. It hasn't, I haven't been super consistent on the right. journaling. Um, but then, you know, digital sunset. Uh, and the last thing is three things I'm grateful for. If it's just me, myself at home to put, you know, you talk about watching the movie and being stimulated for me, really focusing on three things I'm grateful for as I'm going to sleep puts me in a great place for rest, recovery, feeling good. Um, we do it as a family when, uh, when, well, Karen does it when I'm not home in time for bedtime, but we do it all together in terms of, we read two stories to, uh, to the kids. And then we ask every person, what are you happy about today? Oh, that's great. That's really great. Um, you spoke about, um, I guess work, workout time for you. So, you know, for me, I've always thought, oh, if somebody's a personal trainer, they must work out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm thinking if you're a personal trainer, you must like really regard working out as like the ultimate. So how does that look for you? Like what kind of workouts are you doing? What is it that you hold yourself up to? Yeah, you know, it hasn't always been great. It hasn't always been awesome. Um, there are, there have been times in my life where, you know, I've taken on a lot of clients. I've got a lot going on and just, you know, time to myself gets axed you know i've i've recently upped my lunch break two days a week to a three-hour lunch break because before when it was only a two-hour lunch break i found that like oh i've got these emails and i want to return these phone calls and next thing you know i i've kind of axed my exercise time so i now have a three-hour lunch break so the first hour is just exercise and i know no matter what i'm gonna have two hours to get to the rest of the stuff so take a three-hour lunch first hour is just just me, just exercise, um, and, and then go. But, you know, it is, uh, you know, just like everybody else, I've got other demands on my time, and and uh, I force myself into doing it. I find ways that uh, I will succeed. I meet up with other people and exercise because that's a huge strategy that works for a lot of people. Find a gym buddy. Um, tell You know, invite someone else to come work out with you, and for that hour, you're likely to do it. Um now, in your uh, explanation of some of your routines, there was a couple things that you uh, that you touched on, and I know uh, I read a blog of yours a little while ago about the cold showers. So I would love to hear. Um, I know you're a data guy as well, so anything you can share about some of the data around cold showers, and then also the uh, the sometimes not eating breakfast, and I know you've got some eating habits that I think. You know, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that we tell people to go do this. It's more to uh, bring their awareness around to there's other ways of thinking out there. Well, I'll start with the idea of growth, which you mentioned, and saying that you know where I'm at right now is not what I'm suggesting other people do right away. You know, I've been working on things for quite a while, getting a little better and a little better, and looking at other ways of doing things and. Um, cold adaptation has been a game changer but it wasn't easy you know our our friend ryan yada uh and you actually first you had this thing and i thought like no i don't want to do cold showers that sounds awful (laughs) (laughs) um and i did not have the attitude that like oh this is gonna be this is gonna be good for me this is gonna be awesome (laughs) (laughs) sounds like cold shower in the morning that sounds awful um and it was very limited. And so uh, I decided uh, with some peer pressure for sure to sign up and uh, go through Wim Hof's 10-week course and just do the best that I, that I could and see, see what happened. Um, and so I noticed some, some big shifts and I've stuck to it because 
because of that, um, because of just giving it a try. And so now the point where I'm at where it's a cold shower every morning, that wasn't always the case. And it certainly wasn't always that early in the morning. It's just, it's grown to become that. Uh, in terms of data for for people who are um, looking for it, there's, there's interesting data around the cold in terms of its uh, um, reducing pain. Um, Right. Uh, I mean, it's as people can probably imagine, it's stimulating. First thing in the morning, a cold shower that gets you that gets you going. Um, you are awake. You are awake. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I haven't. Uh, it's been a little while that I've since I've dove into the data, so I don't have it uh, front of mind. But a lot of uh, in terms of uh, the intermittent fasting as well as the cold adaptation um, has to do with metabolic theories around health performance and disease mm. where um a lot of people have this idea that uh that you catch a cold you catch an illness you catch an affliction um and there's uh there's some growing evidence uh, around supporting a, a metabolic mechanism for for diseases to develop as well as for the, for them to not develop and for you to be very healthy and a lot of it surrounds our, our mitochondria which is the like the battery of your cell or how you generate energy right uh, so cold cold exposure can help your mitochondria to kick in and generate heat for you so just because the shower's cold doesn't mean i'm getting cold in there right you're you're doing a little work on that on your people call it your metabolism uh, most people who are using the term metabolism don't really know what they mean or what they're talking about but essentially by exposing yourself to the cold you're encouraging at a cellular level the generation of thermal energy uh, and that can translate to generating energy in in other ways uh, so um, yeah that's that's a piece of it um in terms of in terms of fasting, I've been more experimenting personally on intermittent fasting since uh, uh, a little while ago when when I, I got some yeah I got some data around it and um, I wouldn't necessarily encourage people to just dive in on intermittent fasting but I would encourage uh, them to look at it and see you know what is this um, one of the the greatest things I got from going through the cold adaptation course was this idea that nothing's forced. Mm. It shouldn't be too hard. You shouldn't be forcing it. But, um, you know, with intermittent fasting, where I started was just a 12-hour window with no food. Most people can do that. For most people, all that means is you drop the evening snack, you eat dinner, 12 hours later, you eat breakfast. It's not It's not that hard. Right. Um, but it does train your body to go without food for that period of time. Right. Um, yeah, the, uh, uh, the Wim Hof uh, experience, I remember that... Um one of his keys was to, I forget the word, the terminology used, but to just be easy about stuff. Don't force it, right? And if you look at, you know, high-performance athletes, if you look at marathon runners, they don't get there by forcing one or two workouts and then, boom, you're elite. The majority of their training is low intensity. It's the easy run. It's the two-hour long, slow run that, builds the marathon runner uh, and so similar similar to cold adaptation to intermittent fasting it's not about doing it for a week it's about you know s small incremental changes that you feel good about mm. that you enjoy that leave you feeling better so it's um it's like you're really building an engine 
Mm-hmm. You're just building a driver inside you that you're slowly adding to constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, have you ever done any marathons or long distance uh, stuff like that? Or I'm really not interested in running that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've I did two half marathons. Uh, I did, uh, yeah, um, the the BMO Vancouver Half Marathon two years in a row. Uh, the second year, I was like, I'm going to beat my time. I came in one second faster. <laughs> but hey, at least that's uh, that's better, right? That's, you know, <laughs> one second faster is better. Um, do you have a philosophy for life? Do you have an overarching, you know, this is Tim Bagley. This is what I believe. This is how I function. Is there a guiding principle? There's no one guiding principle, but, uh, you know, especially in, you know, the, you know, we talked about my father passing away. I also saw my grandfather live to 101. Hmm. And it's a really interesting difference to look at both of those scenarios, you know? Um, And one thing that I did was go through a, a legacy statement where you you just go through in writing like how what kind of impact do you want to leave on the world so when you're gone what are people going to say about you um and just list some of those things uh that you know so to live a life of integrity you know to 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 do what you say you're going to do and 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 follow through uh that you know i value that tremendously uh to be of service to other people mm. you know to to help out other other people and um, and live a life of, of love and gratitude. Uh, you know, those are, those are incredibly important to me. You know, you mentioned that, uh, that I'm completing tasks and I'm glad it, uh, I'm glad it seems that way. It may, <laughs> it may not feel that way the last uh, six weeks, but, uh, um, yeah, to, to continue to, you know, I think in terms of, you know, why, why I keep going on these things, you know, it's, I really do want to see people be healthier. I really do you know? I want to spare people of seeing what I saw with my father passing away due to preventable disease. You mm-hmm. know, this is this doesn't have to go this way. Type two diabetes. You know, the the rates of illness are going up so much, and so I really feel called to to do more to really help people figure it out and figure out how they can in their busy lives make time for their own health. It's going to be worth it, and that really that's on the legacy statement that not only for the people who I'm working with, you know, I really want to see them and their kids be healthier and for them to look back on the work we've done together and think, wow, it's a really good thing. I got my health in check when I did. Mm -hmm. Great. That's really great. Um, Is there a philosophy around child rearing? Is there some there's is there some real like this is how you know we have some default things that we go to when certain things happen or when the kids are acting up is there yeah and my wife Karen is a kindergarten teacher and and she has done a tremendous amount of learning and research around education early childhood education um, and I'm yeah I'm tremendously grateful that she's done that and shared shared a lot of it with me but I often defer to her you know I think we had a conversation the other day my daughter um has been having accidents and i thought like i said to her when the kids weren't around i said oh you know i've heard of this sticker chart thing what do you think about that and she's like no (laughs) oh okay then um 
<laughs> so, uh, you know, she's really shaped my, my views and I, I know she's, you know, she's done so much, um, of the research that I, I really, um, uh, I, I often defer to her when it comes to some certain, certain decisions and when conflicts come up. Um, but really we want, um, we want our kids to have a, a, a childhood that's, that's really play-based as number one, where, right. you know, learning comes through play. Uh, that that's number two connected with our natural world. So we have, you know, we live in the city, but we have great parks and we, uh, we get out there as much as possible. She's doing a 30 day challenge right now where you get out into nature every single day. Mm. Um, now there's some days where it really like, if not for that 30 day challenge, you're probably, be like, well, we'll just take the pass today. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, there's a gymnastics program inside. We can go do that instead. Uh, so, you know, those are two, um, those are two principles. Um, and then, you know, in terms of parenting, you know, that's been an, an interesting challenge for both of us. You know, I think having kids is a, is a, it brings new challenges to anyone. Um, and so it's really challenged us on, on some of our, on some of our beliefs, you know, and what you, it's easy to judge other people. And then you start going through it and you think, oh, wow, this is, this is tough. Um, so, uh, you know, we really, again, we really value play-based learning and, and with that comes, you know, comes some interesting, interesting behaviors, right? right? Cause you're encouraging play and curiosity inquiry. Right. And so the questions come. One of the things that, um, I have said to other people, uh, about you is, um, you know, you're a number of years younger than I am, but you always just amaze me with, some of the stuff you come out with and some of the answers you have and some of the willingness that you have to just take stuff on. And, um, it blows me away. I just wanted to, I just got present to that in, in just hearing you talk about your kids that, you know, the age you're at and the wisdom you have around things never ceases to amaze me. So, um, I think you have a, you know, your kids are in a great place. Mm. Absolutely. Um, thank you. Yeah. A uh, couple more things. This is, of course, the the Bloom Living podcast. So one of the things I love to know is when you hear Bloom Living, what does that say to you? How does that resonate? Hmm. Mm. Well, um, I mean, I love the name. And what uh, what really struck me uh, the first couple times when I uh, um, when I came across it when I thought saw it and then of course when we started working together was this idea of like I know what the flower looks like and yeah I want to bloom I want to I want to get there <laughs> um uh you, you know in terms of like time to do all the things I want to do money to do the things that I want to do and just being the flower meaning you know being in that place where you've got it under control mm. it's not Oh, if I work hard enough, I'll get the mortgage. I'll do that thing. I'll, uh, you know, I'll do the, it's, Hey, that's, that's what it is. And it's time to just be in that place of, um, having all the, the ducks in a row, having it all taken care of. And it just, uh, um, you know, uh, the uncertainty around money in terms of like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right investment. I don't know how much money I'm going to, all those kind of things. It's a bit of the process of blooming. And then for me, bloom is, you know, getting to that place where you want to be. Awesome. Nice. Um, last question. Is there something that your father said 
or did something that he encouraged you with where you fought it at the time as a teenager is typically when this happens and now you go dad was right well i uh you know i i wasn't always in a place of you know full integrity when i was a teenager i definitely lied to my parents about some of the things i was doing and um I remember that my father, he, um, to my knowledge, pretty much never lied. And a few times he had uh, conversations with me where he was deciding how truthful to be. Uh, He was a letter carrier and he accidentally backed the truck up and hit someone's gutter or something like that. And it was really bothering him. He didn't, you know, he drove off and didn't say anything. And he was deciding whether or not to report it. Mm. Um, uh, And you know, the implications of that for, for him at work, uh, how all that was going to go. And I remember him telling me about that and having that, uh, having that, just seeing the, the struggle. And at that time in my life, it was so easy to just, you know, lie to, you know, to tell these minor fibs to get what I wanted, you know, where are you going? What are you doing? Those kind of things. Nothing. I was a pretty good kid. I wasn't up to anything, but it was so easy to just tell a little lie. And I remember seeing that in him and I didn't really get it at the time and now I do and now I see the the value in in honesty and integrity and just living that way Mm -hmm. great thank you thank you so much for uh for being on the show and um, I want to do this again down the road sometime and check in with you and see where growth has uh has taken you and um yeah that's it thank you so much Tim Begley my pleasure, Thomas. Thank oh, you. Oh, and before we go, where can people find you? My website is positiveshift.ca, uh, so you can check it out. I've got a blog there where I'm posting, so you can check in and see how things are going. I do have a blog post on cold adaptation. Um, you can see me in a river that is very cold. Um, uh, but yeah, and also Facebook is another place where I spend some time, Positive Shift Health and Fitness on Facebook, so I, I post useful useful articles and different different things that come across there great thank you so much well there you have it another episode of the bloom living podcast i'd like to thank our guest today tim begley we'll be coming back every couple of weeks with a new episode this is season one of the bloom living podcast you can get more information at bloomstrategies.com under podcast there'll be a transcription of the show there'll be some links to get a hold of tim if you so desire And hey, if you like what you're listening to, just go ahead and share it on social media. What the heck? You know, we'd like that very much because sharing is caring. And don't forget, be prosperous. And I don't want to turn your stomach fast. I don't want to get all mired into that sentiment. Nothing could find me a pocket here. There's pipe bones thrown on my television My mailbox of bankers are born